0: What's going on, guys? In today's podcast, I'm just basically going to run through a few of the current events happening right now in the NFL and give my take on a few of them. The first one I want to talk about has to do with, quote-unquote, my team, the Carolina Panthers. So there have been some, you know, waves being made, let's say, about Sam Darnold's performance over the last uh, five, six, whatever it has been games, and he hasn't been good, Okay. Here's the thing so now he is quote unquote hurt, right? And he's supposed to miss, they say, four to six weeks, I believe is what I heard. Here's the thing I was just looking at this because I thought this was the case in terms of the financials behind Darnold, uh, in regards to the fifth year option. So that money is guaranteed, right? For injury, it's not guaranteed until the first day, uh, and and if I'm wrong here, then that means whatever the information that I read <clears throat> off of, uh, I believe of CBS Sports, that means that they're putting out wrong information or maybe the rules change, whatever. So I'm re- like, I, I looked this up this morning just to make sure I was accurate, but that money's guaranteed for injury. It becomes fully guaranteed regardless on the first day of the new league year of the fifth year in the contract. Right now, this is Darnold's fourth season, so that money's not guaranteed. If that is the case, which I'm, again, I'm pretty certain it is because I, I saw it actually on two different websites that are supposed to be reliable. If that's the case, then that means Darnold, you will not see him as a Carolina Panthers quarterback at all this season. Like, I, I don't think there's any chance whatsoever. If that's the case, again, like, what? why would you risk him tearing his ACL, right, in, in week 12 or 13? For what? Like you've seen what you need to see, I think. And it's not just this season, right? It's not, yeah, he had three good games and then he had and then he had what what has it been six just absolutely dreadful games. Uh I mean, I saw someone on CBS Sports, I can't remember the guy's name right now, so forgive me, but he posted a statistic, which I've shared on my Instagram story. He said over the last decade, right? If you compare Sam Darnold's 160 pass attempts, which has been over the past five games, there have been 373 quarterbacks to throw a minimum of 160 passes, right? In, In that stretch of the last five games, Darnold ranks 372nd out of 373 in yards per attempt, 371st in touchdown percentage, 370th in interception percentage. That's... If I were to say historically bad, I don't think that would be appropriately summarizing what it's been, you know. And and for this to be year four for Darnold in a season where now if he would have started the season this way, you could say, oh, well, it's a new system. You could, you could hear those excuses. It, he started throwing for 300 yards and completing damn near 70 percent of his passes in, in all for all of the first three games. Right now, at this particular point, there is. Zero excuse for Sam Darnold. I'm sorry. I know the offensive line hasn't been great. But the offensive line wasn't great in those first three games either. What happened is, and this may be an indictment to a degree also on Joe Brady, but I don't know because Teddy Bridgewater sure looked much better than this last year. But there were adjustments made by defenses after the first three games, obviously. And Darnold has not been able to perform even to a, like, NFL average level, and again, because this is year four, and we just watched three of these kind of years with the Jets, we have to just conclude, I mean, I don't know how you conclude anything else, Sam Darnold's not the guy. Guys, I remember posting before there were any inclinations that the 49ers were going to trade up for a quarterback in this draft, and they ended up getting Trey Lance, I remember saying, if I'm San Francisco, I would trade a third round pick for Darnold. And the reason I said that is because putting him with Kyle Shanahan, you know, his skill set meshes pretty well there. Here's what's glaring about that or what should be when we look back in hindsight, right? San Francisco could have done that. They could, or maybe for, I think the Panthers gave a second and a fourth. Point is, not a huge astronomical level of compensation, right? And instead, the 49ers elected to take a kid in Trey Lance, who you guys know I love, but They elected to give away, what was it, three first-round picks and a third as opposed to just a third for Darnold or, you know, whatever, a second, let's just say a second and a fourth for Darnold. The difference in compensation there is, you know, pretty glaring because you could have imagined San Francisco could have also traded Jimmy Garoppolo for the fourth. They may have been able to include Garoppolo in the deal. Who knows? The point is… Probably not, but who knows? The point is, that is the difference in in terms of how teams viewed Sam Darnold, right? Carolina, in my opinion, and I said it at the time, and I know I've since contradicted myself after that three-game stretch of Darnold to open the season, but I guess my how I really felt was how I felt around the draft time, and also how I felt you know, in the time leading up to the season. I mean, and, and how I feel now, of course. We, as the Panthers, were sitting at number eight overall in a quote-unquote historically great quarterback draft class. Justin Fields and Mac Jones were available at eight. We took a guy I love, J.C. Horn, cornerback. Not a position I covet enough to, to justify taking over quarterback. As a matter of fact, there isn't a position I coveted enough to take one over quarterback. And the my my thought process on that on uh, my thought process on that was this. You just take the rookie there, right? Whether it be Mac Jones or uh, Justin Fields, and then you let Darnold and him compete it out. You didn't have to exercise the fifth year option. There was no reason to do that other than you thought that Darnold was going to go crazy and you were going to be in a position where you had to re-sign him immediately after year 4. Um I was in favor of drafting Fields and not exercising the fifth-year option, letting those guys compete it out. Who gives a shit if you waste a second and fourth-round pick as you're trying to find, quote-unquote, the guy at quarterback? Because imagine if they would have done that now. Fields looks to be playing better now. Or even if it was Mac Jones, if that's your guy, whatever. If you take one of those quarterbacks there, and you're in this position with Donald playing like this you just say okay throw him on the bench release him as a matter of fact and put in the rookie and now imagine these Panthers with this defense with one of those guys at quarterback i mean that to me that's that's a really solid option now there is one thing that that is a silver lining here for the Panthers and i think it's very unlikely but there's a guy named Cam Newton that knows his way around the building, <laughs> you know, knows his way around the city, the facility, has an apartment there. I'm sure already in Charlotte or a condo or house, whatever it is, that's literally available. So, if Philip Walker comes in and looks anything like the Philip Walker that threw one touchdown to five interceptions last year and went three of fourteen in, in a game in relief for Donald this year. I mean, unless you want to go with Matt Barkley the rest of the season and basically concede, you could swallow your pride ownership. Imagine this. Every Panther fan I know, if they were to bring back Cam Newton right now, would not just be happy, would be reinvigorated with joy towards David Tepper, Matt Rule. Scott Vitter, like they, they really would be, you know, myself included. I would be like, wow, like I would have a new lease on my Panther fandom personally. And it's not because I think Cam Newton is going to win the MVP. But it's because as Trey Boston recently tweeted, it's because Cam Newton with these weapons and this defense and what he still offers with his legs, by the way. Yeah, the arm isn't what it used to be but with what he still offers with his legs, along with these weapons. He knows DJ Moore. He knows Christian McCaffrey. I mean, you're talking about a, I think the Panthers would be possibly even the favorites for that seven seed, you know, depending on how quickly Cam could pick up the offense. But look, I'm interested to see what happens because I think that, Philip Walker, I don't know, man. I I don't know how great he could possibly look. I think it definitely stings. Um, The Panthers not, you know, the Panthers drafting a J.C. Horn, a corner that, again, I love, over Mac Jones or Justin Fields. You could have had one of those two guys there, and you would have been, in my opinion, uh, right in the mix for that seven seed again. Or, now that you didn't do that, it's like Cam Newton. Nobody thought Cam would be released, you know, right now. I mean, for the most part, right? Um, or if the, if they did, they probably would have expected him to be picked up onto a new team. So those are things that that clearly are silver linings in this situation or that thing. And I think that we should do it, man. I they like, why not? We know, if I'm correct about that fifth-year option, guarantee money. We know Sam Darnold has thrown his last pass, has taken his last snap as a Panther quarterback. I don't even think they'll practice him the rest of the year because they don't want to get hurt, you know? So if that's the case, we can throw that out. We tried it, we gave it nine games or whatever it's been. And now we could reinvigorate the whole damn city of Charlotte fan base. Just say, Cam, look, all it would take for anybody that knows Cam Newton, if David Tepper reached out to him and said, look, dude, sorry about the way things ended. I'd love to give you another opportunity to come in and and start for us this year. Would you like that? I think Cam Newton would immediately immediately say, "Yes, I'm down." He he's not an emotionally egotistical kind of guy how the media portrays him to be. Of course, anybody at this level of an athlete is going to have an ego, but Cam is going to be like, "Dude, whatever, let's go play football." That's my I I mean, that's what I think at least. So, um, I hope that Panther Nation is willing to, to let the Panther social media team know that, like, that we want Cam back. We don't – and it's not even it – doesn't even have to be a long-term thing. Let's just see what happens this year. We can still draft one. You can still trade up and do what the 49ers did this year if you find a guy that you want, you know, to start next year. Trade up and get him, whatever. But, like, in my opinion, Cam Newton with this defense and these weapons around him – will be a pretty decent quarterback and, and a guy that I think could put you really into contention for that seven seed. And I think the Panthers might even be able to win a playoff game or so, not or two, or, you know, I think they could win a playoff game with Cam. So hopefully that happens. I doubt it, but you can be hopeful. Okay. Uh, next thing I want to talk about is Russell Wilson is back. that was That's no surprise in and of itself, but the timeline, uh, at least for his doctor was a surprise for me not at all a surprise. I think Russell Wilson is an absolute monster. We all knew, or you should have known, he was going to smash the timeline in terms of uh, that injury, beating it back and all that stuff. So he's going to start this week against the Green Bay Packers. That's awesome, right? He, I mean, uh, Seattle's defense right now, Seattle is 3-5, first of all. Let's talk about that real quick. They're 3-5, and five, right, which you might say, oh, that sucks. They're not very good. They're a game out. One game out of the seven seed in the NFC. I think they're behind the Falcons, actually. Point is, they or maybe they're a game and a half out. Point is, they're right there in, in contention for that seven seed. The defense in Seattle has been playing very well as of late. Over as a matter of fact, for the last three weeks, over the last three games, they're allowing a little over fourteen points a game. If you extend that over the last four games, they're allowing just almost 17 and a half points a game, actually a little less. And even over the last five games, they're allowing just 18 points a game. 18. That's like, that would be top two or three in the league if that were year long, right? But that's damn near half a season or about half a season, right? Or maybe a little more than half a season long in terms of sample size so far. So that's encouraging, right? Especially again, they're trending upward, even if you tighten that split down in the last three weeks. Like I said, they're obviously going to be playing Aaron Rodgers. uh, At least I believe so. And uh, it looks like Alan Lazard's back as well. And so it's going to be a ball game, seven and two Packers, you know, coming off of a loss coming off of, is it two losses in a row? No. No, 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 it's just one loss. They lost to Kansas City last week with Jordan Love starting. Barely got on the board. Oh yeah. Alan Lazard played in that game. I bet. But the point is, They're going to be playing a Packer team that feels like, hey, we're a little bit desperate. We're coming off of a loss. We don't want to lose two in a row. That would change the whole dynamic of this season for us because they're in play for the number one seed in the NFC. And and especially with the victory over Arizona. And I just have a feeling that Aaron Rodgers is going to come out. And I kind of think if you by the way, if you need. A receiver to start this week, Alan Lazard to me is an option because I just feel like that's such an Aaron Rodgers thing to do, to come out and be like, hey, I'm going to force feed Alan Lazard this week to just shut everybody up and just to be kind of like that whole, I don't know. I just feel like that's a possibility. So if you need a receiver, he's probably available. Go snag him. Not a guy I'd recommend starting for many other weeks, but this week, I kind of have a feeling he's going to get in the end zone at least. Anyways, um, I mean, he did last week with Jordan Love. So it's a big game all of a sudden, right? When you look at it from that standpoint, Seattle, I think it's in Green Bay against the return of Aaron Rodgers and all the controversy around him right now. With the way this Seahawks defense is playing and the way this Packers defense is playing, only allowing 13 points, I believe it was, to the Chiefs last week. If I'm not mistaken, that's the second fewest point total of Mahomes' career. The first fewest being uh, in the Tennessee game a a few weeks ago. So, and look, say what you want about that Chiefs offense, and and yeah, they're struggling right now, but that's Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Andy Reid. You know what I mean? Like, that's – you hold them to 13 points, you're doing something right now. And, and I said before that game, the Packers defense was better than people thought. You know, so – Let's see how they do against Russell Wilson, I guess. I mean, I could see this game being a low-scoring game. Me and Josh are going to break this stuff down later tonight. It'll be released for you, I believe, tomorrow. So, along with start sits. So, start commenting those start sits. I'm going to do the sticker question probably by the time you're listening to this podcast on Instagram. So, anyways, uh, I'm excited about that. I think that Seattle, as I mentioned, is very much in the thick of it for the seven seed. As a matter of fact, if I had to pick a seven seed right now, I'd pick the Seahawks. I really would. I mean, and oh, by the way... The 49ers, they blew a huge opportunity last week to beat the Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins-less Cardinals. They're just 3-5 and also, so they're not out of it either. But again, if I had to pick between those two teams, I'm choosing the Seahawks. If I had to pick from really any possible team for that seventh seed, I'm choosing Seattle, even even though they're out of it right now by like a game or a game and a half, whatever it is. So anyways, I'm excited for that. Can't wait to see what happens there. Last thing I want to talk about is odell beckham jr so here's the thing right odell i believe his average annual value i'm not sure what it was this season i think it was like 15 12 million whatever it was he gets released right we had the free odell talk by lebron james and many others in the you know around the nfl and then all of a sudden the browns say okay fine we'll release him you had me wondering wait a minute. Why wouldn't you have traded him? Well, that question has already been answered. There was no trade value for Odo. How do I know that? I'm not assuming it. It's based it's just the writing on the wall, right? there was there was no trade value for him because no one no one claimed him on waivers. That means even without forfeiting a draft pick of any kind, you would have had to pick up that contract. No one did that. Therefore, no one would have done that. No one did it for free. Therefore, no one would have done that while also willingly giving away any kind of compensation in a trade. Okay, so that right there lets Cleveland off the hook in that regard. If they wanted to trade Odell, and I was on this side of the wagon earlier, I mean, in this offseason, if they wanted to trade Odell, the time to do that was before the season. He had some hype surrounding him. He was back. He was posting his workouts, all that stuff. I think you could have got a third-round pick for him at that time. Teams that were like, you know, watching this guy right now, I'm not about to give you any compensation and then allow him to play on the current contract that he's under. No way. So now there's been a report that the Green Bay Packers have offered him the veteran minimum. I know there's offset language, by the way. I get that. He's going to make more than that. I understand. But the point is, that's like, and I know that that's also incentive for teams to not offer them a ton of money. But if this were Prime Odell Beckham Jr., this, if, sorry, let me rephrase that. If this were what teams believed could be or or was anything close to even Prime Odell, they're going to say, come on, like, let me give you 10 million bucks, right? Like, at 8 million. That's why I made that post yesterday. I thought, I thought like what would odell go for right now as a free agent because he is a free agent even though there's this you know side piece of offset language to kind of uh, you know work through in terms of trying to figure out what is what he's going to sign for but look anyone can sign him let the bidding war begin right it was all about free odell this time last week well odell's free and it would appear now as he's going to take his time to decide between the Chiefs, Packers, or Saints. That means to me that if the Packers, if the reports are true and they did only offer him the vet minimum, I mean, that means to me the, the money from everyone is about the same. Right? Like, uh, I mean... If it were a million bucks more, I could see Odell just saying, yeah, I don't really care. I don't need the money this year. Let me let me go where I can prove myself most or, you know, let me go where I can make my presence felt the most. And so next year, this time in the offseason, I'm a hot commodity free agent. We saw a similar story to this this past offseason. Antonio Brown had a pretty good showing with the Bucs last year, right? He was a great team player. <clears throat> I mean, he won the he won the Super Bowl, caught a touchdown in the Super Bowl was pretty good last year, wasn't great, wasn't as good as he's been this year, but he was a team player. He was not a distraction, all those things, right? Then he hits the free agent market. I was telling Seattle to sign him for 10 million bucks a year. I thought he'd be a great third option for them. What happened? No one signed him. The Bucks get him for very cheap. I can't remember the exact terms of the contract, but they got him for real cheap, right? Right now, I think teams are viewing Odell in a very similar light to how they viewed Antonio Brown, this uh, this past off season. Now, to Antonio Brown's credit, I think he'll get paid a little bit more this year, this off season, because he just signed a one year deal with Tampa, and he's been balling out. Like he's had seven catch games, many seven catch games, a nine catch game, a couple hundred yard games, so you know it, several touchdowns. Like he's been really good over his last three games. He's averaging like almost eight catches for ninety four yards. And a touchdown over the last three games he's played. He's got an injury he's dealing with now. Hopefully he comes back from that, you know, sooner than later, and healthy, you know, and able to produce the same way. But the point is, Antonio Brown showed that he can outplay the perception that surrounded him, and not all due to on-field stuff, let's be honest, right? Odell is in a situation now where if you're saying like if you tell me Odell Beckham is 100% healthy, he's not even 30 yet. If you told me he's 100% healthy, I would tell you that he's a top two or three receiver in football, as I would have about Antonio Brown this past off season. You know, or at least AB is a little older, so it was it was harder to come to that conclusion. But the point is, is it that it just didn't work in Cleveland with Odell and Baker for whatever reason? Maybe Scheme had something to do with that as well. Or is it that, and I know you can say Odell saw the highest percentage of uncatchable passes. Well, guess what, well, guys? The market is also speaking now, so we have to factor that in. These NFL teams are constantly watching tape. Pro player, uh, pro personnel guys for each team are watching tape of every player that could potentially be released at all times. And I mean could potentially, not that will, could potentially be released, so that if, if and when those types of things happen, they already have a grade on that player, and they can go pursue him, and they've already assigned a certain amount of dollar value to what they believe he's worth. That means it was no secret that Odell could be available. That means that essentially the entire NFL is feeling like they shouldn't pay much at all maybe the vet minimum for him right so that tells you what their perception of him is and it's not all quote-unquote baker mayfield's fault you know at least that's what the market is telling us right now maybe and this is absolutely a possibility maybe odell gets signed somewhere and he will and he goes out there and goes crazy averaging 10 for 100 next next you know this half of the season that's possible i'm not going to sit here and tell you it's not possible i don't think it's going to happen. I think we've seen the best of Odell already. I don't think that Odell is washed. I think he can still be a really good player. But anyways, that's kind of the gist of it. Like, the market was not nearly as high for Odell because, again, this time last week it was free Odell. Well, guess what? Now Odell is freed, and now Odell has has just unknowingly accepted a monster pay cut for the rest of the season. So... It is what it is, and um, we'll see where he goes. Now, I mean, I'm very interested at the three potential suitors for him, right? The Saints. If I'm the Saints, I'm offering you an extra million bucks. If you're, if they're offering you the vet minimum, I'll give you an extra million. Come with me. We need you, bro. You'll be our bona fide wide receiver one. And, yeah, I know we only got Trevor Simeon at quarterback, but maybe we'll sign Cam. You want Cam, we'll bring him in too, <laughs> right? I mean, that would, to me – The Saints would be the spot that if he wants to show that he is the top dog in an offense again, it would be a pretty good spot for that, assuming either Simeon or Taysom Hill can get him the football consistently, right? But you also have Sean Payton there. So there's, you know, there's a possibility. The Chiefs, that would mean he's the number two wide receiver, the third option on the team. That's a very Antonio Brown like. Scenario of last year. You know, no one was interested in A B except for the Bucks. They finally signed him, what was it, halfway through the season or whatever it was, quarterway through the season. And he played well. But it wasn't enough, if you're talking economics, right? It wasn't enough to garner him. It wasn't enough to improve his value amongst the NFL teams to say, hey, we should bring this guy in for eight, 10, 12 million dollars. Wasn't enough. So that's the only downside for AB. I think that would be a similar story with Odell going to Kansas City, going to Green Bay. He'd be the number two, the bona fide clear number two after Devontae Adams, yes. Um, and you have Aaron Rodgers throwing it to him. So that's a pretty damn good situation. <clears throat> I think that if I'm him, I mean, it really depends on how important winning is because I don't think the Saints can win a Super Bowl. I think the Chiefs believe it or not, could still win the Super Bowl. And I think the Packers obviously could win a Super Bowl. You want to make Aaron Rodgers happy if you're Green Bay? Bring in Odell. Maybe he'll just stay. Maybe A-Rod will be like, you know what? Fine, I'll stay here. Especially if you re-sign him. (laughs) And he plays really well. So I think that it is important on one note for him to go to either the Packers or the Chiefs. And I think that also a, a dark horse team here would be the Seahawks. Don't rule them out. One of those three teams for me would be the the stronger case to be made for them would be the the fact that they have a veteran quarterback that could handle the presence of Odell. That was Baker's, in my opinion, biggest issue with him is that he couldn't handle the presence, the brand of Odell Beckham while playing his game. It forced him to press and to try and force Odell the ball and that kind of stuff. So I think having a Mahomes, a Rodgers, a Wilson, in place there it would be an awful lot like having a Brady in place in Tampa. And the reason why AB was such a non distraction for them last year. So anyways, if I'm him, I'm going to the Packers. I don't know. That's just kind of my feeling on it. But I, I would also, again, be very much willing to go to Seattle. Um, I think I would, if I would rank them, if it were me, I would go to either Green Bay. But I guess he's probably thinking Green Bay is similar schematically to what he just came from. I don't know, man. Maybe I'll go to the Saints. Maybe I feel like I'm the missing piece there. Maybe I feel like I can elevate a quarterback. And maybe most of all, I want to show that I am a number one receiver. And that's the only place he could really do that at. So I don't know. I'm not going to rank him. I give up. But one of those teams, I'm excited to see where he goes. And I'm definitely excited to see what the ultimate dollar amount winds up being maybe there's some incentives on the back end of it you know some unlikely to be earned incentives that would count uh, just so you're just so you know against the salary cap for next year they wouldn't count for this year so uh we'll see but that's all I got for you guys today Josh and I are gonna do a start sit and a week 10 preview later tonight, and we'll probably have those coming out for you tomorrow at some point. So, uh, and they'll also be available on YouTube. Remember, I'm answering all any other questions you have on the YouTube comments in any of our videos. So, just do that. Subscribe there. I got you. Talk to you guys tomorrow. Peace.